Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan, the longest war in American history. We completed one of the biggest airlifts in history with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. That number is more than double what most experts saw were possible. No nation, no nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. The only the United States had the capacity and the will and ability to do it, and we did it today. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravely, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. It just dawned on me how much Joe Biden is smacking around our our allies there. Only the United States could have done this. The allies are already unbelievably angry with him. The UK, Germany, France, NATO nations disgusted by Joe Biden and this withdrawal. Not necessarily withdrawing from Afghanistan, but how this was done, which is, of course, the story. But this braggadocious attitude, and that was just the start of Biden's speech yesterday. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Be sure to like the page, everything at TonyKatz.com. I ask again, anybody think Biden's right? Anything uh, that this went absolutely perfect and there was no better way for this to go? Have we heard Chief of Staff Ron Klain with that one? It's easy to second guess, but let's just be clear. America was in this war for 20 years, and I think any effort to unwind that, any effort to bring our troops out, any effort to end our military presence in Afghanistan was going to be filled with uh, heartbreaking scenes and difficulties. And I think uh, the Biden administration has managed that as well as it could be managed under the circumstances we were placed in. No one believes that. You have to work at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or be named Mrs. Klain in order to believe that lie. But what if someone believes it out there? I want to hear how. I want to understand you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. But let's get into some more of what Joe Biden said. Maybe you didn't hear it. Maybe maybe you just love yourself enough not to uh, have to deal with the insanity. I'm here to do it for you, but you got to hear it. You got to hear it from beginning to end to understand exactly how it went down. And I know there will be a lot of hosts today who break this down and share this with you. Us, we go a little bit deeper in understanding not, not just that it's a lie, but rather why. He's lying, and there was a lot of lying yesterday. Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan. Holy crap. He's doing it. He went down the road of blaming Americans who are still in Afghanistan. Well, that's just your own fault. And if you think I'm kidding, this was Jake Sullivan who's the national security advisor, on with Jake Tapper of CNN saying the same thing. 
Well, Jake, I think it's really important to answer your question, to start with the fact that we gave 19 messages starting in March to Americans to leave the country. We offered them financial assistance to leave the country. And then for more than two weeks, we gave them specific instructions for how to come. 97% of the people we communicated with got to the airport and got out on planes. There's a variety of reasons for why those remaining folks didn't. Some changed their mind at the last minute. Some wanted to bring very large extended family who uh, were not Americans who couldn't get through checkpoints. Some uh, may have shown up at the airport, although I have to tell you I'm not familiar, and General McKenzie spoke yesterday and said he was not familiar with anyone being turned away at the gate at the last minute. So I had not heard that particular report. But the fact is that we went out of our way. Can we just stop? You went out of your way to reach out to people. You went out of your way to grab people. You abandoned Americans behind the Taliban line. And they couldn't get to the airport in many cases because of the checkpoints. And we now know stories of people screaming and yelling at the gate, waving their passport, screaming, I'm an American, that didn't get onto planes. But a rapist got onto the plane. I wonder how many of those in total. Which leads to the whole question of taking, you know, Afghanistan refugees or or not. And I'm in favor of taking them. There's been a conversation in in my beloved Indiana where there's uh, what's known as Camp Atterbury. And we're going to be taking 5,000 refugees, according to Congressman Mike Pence. I favor this if they're vetted. My argument has been and has not changed. I favor taking all the women and all the children. I favor taking all of those Afghanis who worked with the U.S. military. They've already been vetted. Those who worked as interpreters and a whole series of things and risked their lives. The Afghani men? Nope. No. You don't know who is Taliban. You don't know who's lying. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, someone may want to call me a racist or a bigot for saying that. And my response to them will be, and and I'm quoting here, what does it matter to me if they call me a racist or a bigot? F these people. They don't mean anything to me. I am making a, a, a solid point, utilizing logic, and having open arms. There are people who don't want to take anybody. I am not in that camp. I believe we should. uh, I think states should be racing. Indiana, other states should be racing to be first. Of course, of vetted people. Of course, of vetted people. That's my take. But this whole, well, we sent 19 messages. This is a, a radical statement. Considering people couldn't get to the airport. But man, they love making it. Isn't that right, Joe Biden? With multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan, all the way back as far as March. After we started the evacuation 17 days ago, we did initial outreach and analysis and identified around 5,000 Americans who had decided earlier to stay in Afghanistan but now wanted to leave our operation allied uh, hold, 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 hold. can we can, can we discuss why can we discuss what changed why is it now they decided to leave and what made them want to stay it's important cuz i think people you know cuz i i did this at the first i i've talked to a lot of people remember I, I, I do this for a living. My job is to study, to get the information and be able to share it, right? That's our deal. And I do my very, my level best at it, my very best at it. 
So I at first said, who in the world would want to stay in Afghanistan? You consider yourself an American? Well, I, I talked about it on air with Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine. I've spoken to him about it. I've spoken to other people about it. There are a tremendous number of Americans who want to stay because they see these Afghanis as their friends because they are their friends. They've worked side by side. They don't want to see them fall to the Taliban. They want to help. But what if, big what if, but I think from some of the data today we're seeing, it might be more factual. I'll get into it. What if they saw the situation and said, you know what? The Afghan forces are going to be able to hold off the Taliban. We want to help build a country. We're staying. What if all of that was a ruse? That's what we're going to get into. But this whole idea, we reached out 19 times since March. What is, what, reach out 20 times. None of that matters. You left Americans behind who clearly wanted to leave. It can't be denied. You ended up getting more than 5,500 Americans out. We got out thousands of citizens and diplomats from those countries that went into Afghanistan with us to get bin Laden. We got out locally employed staff in the United States Embassy and their families, totaling roughly 2,500 people. We got thousands of Afghan translators and interpreters and others who supported the United States out as well. Now we believe that about 100 to 200 Americans remain in Afghanistan with some intention to leave. Most of those who remain are dual citizens, longtime residents who had early decided to stay because of their family roots in Afghanistan. Why is he yelling? I'm not the only person who noticed in this speech he is yelling at the American people. He's yelling at the American people like it's his job. Why in the world is he yelling so much? What is the what is the value of this? Well, he's yelling because he wants to project strength because he's been nothing but weakness. And that little meek voice and his weak the the inability to really get out anything other than that breathy emotion. <sighs> He wanted to show he was a man in charge. Too late. Oh, and all of this, Trump's fault. There are those who would say we should have stayed indefinitely for years on end. They ask, why don't we just keep doing what we were doing? Why do we have to change anything? The fact is, everything had changed. My predecessor had made a deal with the Taliban. When I came into office, we faced a deadline, May 1. The Taliban onslaught was coming. We faced one of two choices. Follow the agreement of the previous administration and extend it to have or extend to have more time for people to get out. Stop. Stop. This is this is really where it all fell apart that you had already heard the basic lies and the standard lies, and now he was just going to do it all. That Joe Biden was just going to look at you and lie to you with a straight face and make this nonsense conversation about a deadline. A nonsense, silly, garbage conversation 
about a deadline. No part of that conversation is real. Not a single part of it. Just so we understand each other. The deadline was whenever we wanted it to be. The original deadline was May 1st. It got moved to August 31st or 30th. How did that happen? I guess the deadline is indeed arbitrary. But he still wants to sell you on this idea that it had to happen. And then, if it didn't happen now, there would have been more troops and more war. Or send in thousands of more troops and escalate the war to those asking for a third decade of war in Afghanistan, I ask, what is the vital national interest? In my view, we only have one, to make sure Afghanistan can never be used again to launch an attack on our homeland. How about the attack that's going to take place on American citizens because you left them to die? You left them to die. That's what happened. Now, I want to hear from the people who say that's not what happened. 833, got Tony. I want to hear from the people who say, no, we had to get out. It's all Trump's fault. I want you to make your case. We keep hearing Biden say this and and, uh, the Ron Klaniak say this. But you have no proof of this. You're only saying it because you think there's enough Trump hate to get people to say, oh, it's Trump's fault. Did Trump make a deal with the Taliban? Yes. Were there multiple levels of conditions? Yes. Something people like to forget. Does any of it matter right now? No. Because Trump's not the president. Biden is. This is all on him. He wants to outrun that. He wants to escape it. He only wants to be known as the guy who ended the war. That's what he did. He ended the war, and that's why we should love him. Because there was a deal with the Taliban? None of that is true or real. Not that there weren't deals with the Taliban. That somehow they had to be honored this way, when they weren't living up to their end on a series of things. Because they're the Taliban and they can't be trusted. By the way, is anybody surprised that Trump would try and strike a deal? The guy would try to strike a deal with Kim Jong-un. The man tries things. If it doesn't work, boom, bow, ping, you bomb them back to whatever Stone Age they're already in, and that's it. Except they're never actually in a Stone Age. Now, are they? Now that they've got 33 Blackhawk helicopters, which they want to tell us isn't a big deal. Press Secretary for the Pentagon, Admiral John Kirby, oh, they have our technology, but... The other issue is, what did we turn over to the Afghan forces as we retrograded out of the country and what they did with it? And, of course, we know uh, that there's quite a bit of material in, in the batch that the Afghans had that the Taliban now uh, have access to. There's no question about that. But what I would tell you about this, Dan, is the kinds of equipment we're talking about, while certainly there's a lethality component to it, it doesn't, threat, it doesn't pose a threat uh, to the United States. It doesn't pose a threat uh, to, uh, to neighboring nations. I mean, these are... Are not these are not the kinds of things uh, that the Taliban can make great strategic use out of. The lies continue everywhere. That's that is the Pentagon press secretary, an admiral, who said, "Oh yeah, these things have a lethality, meaning they're lethal." But it's not like the Taliban can actually use them against us. 
Can you sell the technology to China so they can then design Blackhawks to use against us? Just asking. Do you know how much hate you have to have for the American people to say what he just said? The answer is a lot of hate. Now, let's get us into another conversation of of where people are with this and how stunned and shocked they are by all of it. Uh, You're not alone. Joe Biden was trying to convince the nation that he was doing the right thing. He convinced nobody who is not named Ron Klain. He convinced nobody who doesn't work at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and I don't think those people believe him. This failure, the murder of these 13 U.S. service members, and the capturing and hostage-taking of Americans is all on Joe Biden. The history will be written. I'm Tony Katz. I mean, I'm going to make a ridiculous offer. So I found a... People who know me know that uh, I go through phases of looking for a car. And and I've wanted a classic for, for forever. For forever. There are certain things that, that I want. And I even went to the Meekum auction. I love the Meekum people. And I tried to bid on, on some... I tried to bid on a 75 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. <gasps> it was amazing! But by the time I raised my hand, the thing was up to thirty-five grand, and that's not what I'm spending on this. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't actually. I'm actually going to drive it. It's not going to be in a garage somewhere. But in order to understand what you know where prices are, I spoke to a couple of car dealers that that I know, uh, people who run car dealerships. This chip shortage that we're seeing, that's keeping new cars from getting onto the market, and therefore used car prices are through the roof. This does not have an end in 2022. Everyone says through the end of 2022 is most probable, but probably 2023. There just aren't the chips. There isn't the stuff that you need to put the chip together. It's just not there. And there's this never-ending supply of used cars, and the used cars are going for crazy money over what they normally would over the block. Crazy money. New cars are then being bought back for more than they bought the new car for, and the new cars are selling at MSRP. No negotiation, MSRP, because that's how much they're in, in, in need. People tell me, yeah, we probably have enough stock through the end of uh, September, and then, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, I picked the wrong time to want to look for something, even though I am going to look at something. It seems that if you need a car, you've got a problem. A real problem. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. People are freaking out because the Supreme Court would not stop a Texas ban on abortion. It's actually, it it bans abortions after approximately six weeks of pregnancy. And it allows private citizens to sue anyone who helps a patient get an abortion. 
I am not asking for your opinions on abortion here. I understand, though, that the people who oppose abortion have literally been mocked and ridiculed since 1973. They've been told that they don't count, that it doesn't matter. They have had people sing their abortions and laugh about their abortions when we're clearly talking about killing something. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's great to be with you guys. You couldn't leave well enough alone. I think the country likes being a pro-choice country. That's my take. And there are plenty of states that would be pro-choice states. I favor the overturning of Roe v. Wade because it is a usurpation of states' rights. States have rights, and I believe that Roe v. Wade took that away. That is what I oppose. Will the state of Massachusetts do away with abortion? Of course not. We don't have to question it. Neither will the state of Illinois or Minnesota or New York or California. It's going to live there. Of course it is. But are you telling me that that these schools, uh, not these schools, these states can't say, hey, this goes against who we are and we see this differently and so we're going to go about uh, being proactive and making changes? Of course they can. This idea that abortion cannot be touched, sorry, that's not the way it works. You're confusing it with the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment cannot cannot be touched. That which is written into the Constitution, and oh, by the way, it can, because they wrote prohibition into the Constitution and then they took it out. That's how absolutely perilous these things are and why you have to fight. So the pro-life people, they have been fighting. What are you surprised that they're getting success? The Supreme Court did not stop it. They did not respond to a plea, therefore allowing this Texas law that bans these abortions to go into effect as of Wednesday morning, right? As of September 1st. So it's going to ban at least 85% of the abortions in the state of Texas. This is Jeffrey Tubin <laughs> on CNN. Well, I don't think anyone knows exactly how it will work, but what we do know is why the law was structured that way. Yeah, tell me. The reason, the reason why it was structured that way is that when pr- other states have imposed restrictions uh, on abortion, they have done it by the state. The state has said, you abortion clinic cannot perform an abortion at such and such a time. And the state will punish you, will shut you down, will fine you if you do. What that has meant is that um, the abortion clinics can go to court against the state and get a judgment that says, no, you can't do that to the abortion clinic, uh, state of Mississippi or state of Alabama. Um, And 
that's how those laws have worked, and that's how the court challenges have worked. What this law has done is that it has created a legal problem for the plaintiffs, for the abortion clinics. Who do they sue? How do they try to right. stop this law? Because there is no identifiable enforcer yet, because so the, so the bounty entirely, hunters have so not come in, forward. So it's entirely designed to get around the law. Well, it's entirely designed so the that the, the courts will not be able to challenge it, and it is work. What's the problem with that? Hold on, hold on a second. What's the problem with that? Is is the host there on CNN a woman? I forget her name. Is she making the claim that you're not allowed to take a look at what the courts are doing as being activists and say, how do we prevent them from being activists so the rights of the people and the right people's representatives actually exist? It was a bill. It was voted on. It was signed by the governor. That's the way it's supposed to work. This is the argument that the court gets to decide what, what is and what isn't. Not you stupid people. If you design it in a way that the court can't engage a challenge or engage activism in, okay, it could still go to the Supreme Court, and they chose not to hear it. Somebody else can bring a lawsuit at another time. What an odd and peculiar argument. The argument is, how dare you figure it out? That's what they're saying on CNN. But for Jeffrey Tubin, it's about to get a whole lot worse. Perfection so far, because there has not been what's called a ripe case, a case that is uh, able to be uh, addressed by the courts before the law went into effect. So here we are on September 1st, the first day since 1973 when a state has been able to ban abortion. 1973 is the year of Roe v. Wade. And the Supreme Court has said nothing. They have allowed the second most famous opinion of the last hundred years after Brown v. Board of Education to essentially be violated, be, be overrun, but they haven't even said a word about it, which strikes me as a real blow against the Supreme Court's institutional reputation, aside from the issue of whether this law is right or wrong. Well, if anybody knows about a blow to their reputation, it's Jeffrey Tubin. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to let that sit there for a second, see what happens. Just leave it be there. Oh, huh. Jeffrey Tubin is the guy who was caught on uh, Zoom watching porn and um, not wearing pants or, or underwear. But he's going to talk to you about your reputation, don't you know? They are infuriated that the pro-life side kept fighting. They are infuriated that the pro-life side made something stick. Now, how long will it stick, and what are the uh, challenges that will be made? I don't have the answer for that. I don't know. But understand what they're angered by, and let us be clear. The most popular decision, one of the two most popular decisions of the past 50 years or 100 years, doesn't make it right. The Supreme Court always gets it right. Hakeem Jeffries said that the Supreme Court is a joke. I believe in citing insurrection against uh, the third branch of government. I think Hakeem Jeffries, the congressman from New York, is trying to get Supreme Court justices killed. It's despicable, if you ask me. Downright despicable.
well, that, if if you call something a, a joke, has has no credibility. I think he said it has no credibility. Well, that's I think that I think that's insurrection. Personally, don't get angry with these people. They figured it out. Figure out how you're going to counter it. That would be my take. Let me tell you something that I think that the Supreme Court got wrong. Public accommodation. Public accommodation is wrong. You own a restaurant. You can decide who you serve. Now, I don't think it makes any rational sense not to serve certain people, but you can decide. You don't want to serve Jews, don't serve Jews. You don't want to serve white people, don't serve white people. It's a restaurant. I believe in actual freedom. Actual freedom can be pretty ugly, but it's the best game going. And actual freedom ensures that I can do my thing. So sometimes somebody else will do something disgusting. Louis Farrakhan can talk about hating Jews and, 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 and hating uh, white people, and Louis Farrakhan uh, can say things like this. Here the Jews don't like Farrakhan, so they call me Hitler. Well, that's a good name. Hitler was a very great man. Can't stop him from saying it. All I can do is expose him as the anti-Semitic jerk that he is and question why people like Indianapolis Congressman Andre Carson, amongst others, support him and protect him. That's all I can do. Nothing more, nothing less. But I don't believe that a restaurant has to serve Louis Farrakhan or Andre Carson or me. They can make their own decisions. There is a Florida restaurant owner who has told Biden supporters to go somewhere else. It is the DeBarry Diner. It is in Florida. I assume it's in the Orlando area. And uh, the owner, Angie, she put a sign up right there in the front. Bink! Right there in the front. If you voted for and continue to support and stand behind the worthless inept and corrupt administration currently inhabiting the White House that is complicit in the death of our servicemen and women in Afghanistan, please take your business elsewhere. Okay. She said uh, in an interview, I was just angry. I was just let down. I felt like one of those mothers or wives or sisters who are going to get that knock on the door. And so she said, "This uh, this is what's going on. She says, uh, I've had people come to the door, look at it, and turn around and walk away. And I've had people come into the kitchen while I'm cooking and say, hey, I love your sign. That's absolutely right. That's exactly what's going to happen. Right? You, 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 uh, you, you, have, uh, you have people who will, will tell you off. You have people who will agree with you as long as no one's getting violent. Because all this owner did was let you know what the deal was. You want to know what the place is all about? She just told you. Now, you got to make the decision on what you wanted to do. I appreciate the honesty. I wish more businesses would do it. Now, maybe it's not the best business practice. Maybe I'm better off that most businesses just stay silent and serve me the meal. Or or whatever it is I'm going in for. It's a lot better than saying, oh, you won't design my same-sex wedding cake? Well, I'm going to sue you which they did to, the, of course, the baker in Colorado, not once but twice, because then he wouldn't design a cake for a trans uh, uh, gender, uh, or a gender reveal, I think it was, something like that. Gender reassignment, thank you. 
didn't want to design the cake. Oh, I'm going to sue you too because you're a bigot. The guy's not a bigot. You're just a bully and a jerk. If you're transgender and you go to the only baker you know who doesn't want to make that cake and say, make this cake or I'll sue you, you are a bully and a jerk. That's what you are. You may say you're this, that, or the other, but we all know you're a bully and a jerk. We know this for fact. Public accommodation is something that the Supreme Court got wrong. They're not infallible. I don't disagree with this. They come to decisions that I wholeheartedly disagree with, like, for example, Obamacare. Obamacare. That's what we're told. By the way, I'm getting an update on something. Because uh, I was talking about cars and uh, and car sales and how new cars are selling for MSRP. Well, I, I just got this. Uh, cars are not selling at MSRP. It was a tweet from, from Disney Joe. Uh, there was a $6,000 dealer surcharge on top of MSRP. We were flat out told that this vehicle had to be shipped from another dealership and other dealers wanted the vehicle too. People are paying $6,000 over sticker? Hold on a second. I want to hear. Send, send it to me, uh, TonyTonyCats.com, or send me a tweet at TonyCats. Exactly. Show me, tell me, if you bought a new car over the past three months, or how, are you paying over sticker, and if so, how much? If so, how much? You know what? I'm going to have to wait to do this story. I've been talking about vaccines and collusion. Well, what if I told you I think I have more on this story? Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So people have been sending me their car stories. Oh, I'll get to some of them. But there was the story that the COVID-19 czar for the White House, is that Jeffrey Zients? He's continuing to urge businesses to force vaccine mandates, require employees to be vaccinated. Now, I said the other day, if the White House is the one doing the urging and businesses feel they need to comply because they don't want to run afoul of the White House, isn't that collusion or is that coercion? It could it be one way or another or both? If they're saying that, quote here, they drive up vaccination rates, meaning vaccine requirements, and we need more businesses and other employers, including healthcare systems, school districts, colleges and universities, to step up and do their part to help end the pandemic faster. We need more individuals to step up. By the way, that's not how the vaccine works. You can still get COVID even if you've been vaccinated. It just reduces the symptoms in terms of the severity that's all. You viral load is the same, and people vaccinated and unvaccinated. This is this is embarrassing. The lack of science it just takes reading. But this is about force. This is coercion, if not collusion, into getting uh, people vaccinated. I'm not anti-vax. I'm just saying the way it is. This is pretty ugly. Pretty ugly. Now I, I asked about cars. What are the surcharges? On, on cars, uh, my, my baker, uh, C- Cindy Hawkins, uh, my, my, my official personal baker, uh, she was getting a new delivery van, Ford delivery van, producer Ari, and was told there was a $5,000 surcharge. 
They're, they're Basically, no- uh, we can add 5000 for nothing fee. And then uh, here is uh, John on Twitter was going to order a Chevy Equinox, was told it would be six to eight months to receive one, but if he was willing to pay a $4,500 fee, they could get it immediately. Right? Then uh, someone said the, the new Ford Bronco, not the sport model, the new Bronco is going for $40,000 over MSRP, a six-month waiting period. All right? It's all possible. And look, I'm a believer in supply and demand. And I, you are never going to hear me say, oh, these people are gouging. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't. There is an issue. There is an issue with the marketplace. You cannot get the cars because you don't have the chips. You don't have the chips. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. So you're going to have these situations. This will reflect very poorly on the Biden White House because it's the poor people who won't be able to get cars. Well, maybe that's just going to push them to taking the bus. And isn't that what they want anyway? You see, it's all part of a master plan. I have heard this about master plans a lot. Sometimes it's not a master plan. Sometimes it's just terrible planning or lack thereof. Yeah, keep letting me know what the, what you're seeing on new car prices and whether you're seeing these, these surcharges. Let me know where you're at. How is media doing in reporting stories around the country? We're going to get into that as well. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today.